Well, it's been a while since I've heard that music since I was gone on Wednesday, but you can hear it. Time now for our Berkshire Hathaway bi-weekly podcast. Joining us in the studio, realty expert John Brodeen. John, how are you today, man? Good, man. Good, man. As much as I love hanging out with Paul on Wednesday, it's good to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And uh, one thing I've been uh, dying to find out is because um, Paul said he forgot to ask you, how'd that tournament go, oh, uh, by the way? It went it went well, as good as I could have asked for. I got um, gold in both my divisions out of the seven guys. So Really? I took home the win. So uh, you uh, kicked some names and took some ass or something <laughs> like that? I I uh, submitted three of the guys, in, or I submitted the opponent in three of my matches and then um won by a decision in two of them wow so so yeah. you, you you're the champ i guess for yeah. now for yeah now. i was i was really upset because i was gonna watch it live because you sent me the link oh yeah yeah and i it, it, it wasn't on till late my division didn't start till like seven o'clock well i wish i would have got like a notification or something when you were going oh because yeah. i just completely spaced it, but I was so looking forward to watching you. Yeah, it's it's still on YouTube. If you were to go to the, I can tell you the times to go to to watch it. But yeah, it was fun. I was super nervous, but you know, it was a well well run tournament. It was lots of fun. Got you uh, you ever get the chance tournament. to put somebody to sleep in one of those? I uh, haven't in a tournament, but I have like in the gym before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it, sometimes it happens if. But there's no harm done by it. Honestly. Right, right. I mean, it's yeah. I've gotten put to sleep in but, the gym before too. If you mm, don't tap in time, take a little nap. Yeah. But, but t- okay, tell me though, when you do it though, I mean, you are you're like you you say the words right, like go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Hush, <laughs> little baby. <laughs> we're, we're getting off track here. But usually, it scares the crap out of you because the person will start snoring really loudly. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. And sometimes their eyes will be open. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, I've seen weird. that where their eyes are open. That is kind of creepy, and and, and yeah. it scares the guy that's doing it to them yeah yeah i could imagine yeah, well, I, I, sorry we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the show here in a second but when i was a taekwondo like watching people like get knocked out oh, with like a kick or that's something worse, yeah. what's like the the freakiest thing about it is when they're unconscious they start moaning oh and yeah. so they're just like yeah. <laughs> okay all right that's enough of that i'm uh we're really glad here john that you did good uh that yeah, you nice. won and a couple of golds congratulations uh let's get back to the realty world now yeah. um i was telling you a story about some friends of mine out west uh built a house it was a fairly new house decided they wanted to sell it and uh they had multiple offers on it now, I would think if you were a homeowner and you were trying to sell, that would be a great deal to have multiple offers. But I would imagine uh, there's got to be some do's and don'ts and things you have to watch out for if that would happen. Yeah. So it is in a hot market. It is pretty common to get multiple offers, especially when you've got an attractive property that's priced right. Um, you know, right when you hit the market, you're going to get so much attention, on it, especially in a hot market where there's not a ton of options on the market. Mm-hmm. Um if you're in a, if you have an attractive property that is like moving ready and it, it probably checks all the boxes for a lot of the buyers out there. Right. Um, so they're all going to be looking at it within those first couple of days that it hits the market. And if you do everything right, if your marketing's right and you're, you have it show properly and, um, all that kind of stuff, it's pretty common to get multiple offers so, and multiple offers are when you're going to get top dollar for a listing. Yep. There's, there's yep. no other way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, Everybody wants what everybody wants, and nobody wants what nobody wants. Once there's an offer on a property, a person who's maybe on the fence, it usually has a way of causing them to want to make an offer. Mm-hmm. Even even if maybe like they wouldn't have otherwise, it makes them want to get in on it because the social proof 
uh, is there, that this house is worth what they're asking because somebody else wants it. And the more people that want it, the more of a frenzy it creates. So as an agent, when I'm a listing agent and I'm handling a multiple offer situation, there's a few important things that I need to do. Okay. Um, and obviously the first thing is treat everyone fairly. If sure. I have one of the offers that's in the mix, I have to make sure that I tell all the agents about that because if, if I ever, if I were to ever not treat everyone fairly in a situation like this, my reputation amongst the agent community is wrecked. So then, you know, right, uh, right. Everything you've worked for is kind of thrown in the garbage. Yeah. So it's, it's really important to maintain strong relationships with the other agents and that's, the way you treat them in multiple offers is going to have an effect on how things go in the future with them for sure. So obviously treating everyone fairly, being completely honest, like it's happened to me before where an agent has like maybe fibbed a little bit about having another offer Mm -hmm. and you find out about it. You're never going to trust it. A word that agent says. Oh, sure. Sure. You know? Um, so having the trust is really important. Treating everyone fairly is really important. Um, Doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it is really important. Like if you say, hey, I'm going to respond to, uh, we're going to make a decision by, you know, nine o'clock on Wednesday night, nine o'clock on Wednesday night rolls around and then I keep stalling or something like that. Um, you know, if, if you if you do that sort of thing, it, it just, it's going to hurt your sure. reputation amongst the agent community. So when you say you're going to do something at a certain time, you do it and that that's going to make everybody get in line and do their things on time and makes everything go a lot more smoothly. So uh, when you have multiple offers on a home, you need to inform all the agents who have shown the home recently um, that you have an offer. So if their people are still interested, they need to make their offer now. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd be surprised where if you miss this step, they might not know there's an offer and then they just see it go pending in the MLS, but maybe their client hadn't ruled it out. And if their client's still thinking about it and they hear that that a different offer comes in, Sometimes that's all it takes to spur them to decide to place an offer. Okay, okay. so say I've got a house I want to sell. I'm asking $300,000 for it. Um, I get an offer for $300,000. And then somebody calls me an hour later and says, well, I'll I'll give you $300,000 for it. And you say, well, I've already got an offer. Okay, I'll give you $310,000 for it. Now, these friends of mine that I was talking about, um, they actually ended up having, it turned out to be kind of like a bidding war. Is is that common? Yeah, so here's the thing. We don't, um, it, you know, to act in fairness towards all the agents, mm-hmm. if you bring me an offer um, for your clients, I'm not going to be able to tell the other agents how much your offer is. Um, you know, the most information you ever give is, hey, it's a pretty strong offer. Okay. Um, so, you know, do your best. Um, but I'm not going to disclose any information that's going to put my clients at a disadvantage. That's really important. And I'm not going to screw you over by saying, hey, uh, John's offer was three ten, so you got to beat that because that's you know, the, the three ten fifty. You know, yeah, you get into exactly. that kind of and stuff, gonna, and that that honestly isn't in my people's best interest either because, um, you know, then it maybe maybe these people were going to offer three fifteen, but now they're only going to offer three twelve because they know how much your offer is. Okay, right. right. Okay, so, so it's you don't disclose numbers. That's important. That's kind of a part of treating everybody fairly. I'd say you make sure that all the previous showings that you know. Everybody who showed it that week, you make sure you tell them you got an offer on the table or you have multiple offers on the table because that's going to spur the other offers to come in. Um, You need to make sure to tell, this this might seem obvious, but you need to make sure you tell all the offering parties that they're in multiple offers. And then the other thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to give them the chance to improve their offer to come in with their best and final offer. 
if you make an offer on a listing and you are under the assumption that it's your uh, that you're the only offer that we're working with, you're going to have a starting point and then you're going to expect me to counter you and then you're going to expect that we're going to go back and forth a little bit mm-hmm. and we're going to make a compromise and meet, you know, mm-hmm. come, to come to an agreement on price. So that first offer you made isn't your best and final. Now if another offer comes in, I'm going to say, "Hey, we're in a multiple offer situation now, so I need you to to come in with your best and final offer." And what's going to happen in most cases is both people both people are going to um, change their offers to their best and final offer because at this point you just want me to pick you and not the other guy. Sure, it's, it's not a matter of we're not negotiating price anymore. You're trying to sell yourself as being the buyer that's going to get this thing. So if you have the multiple offers and it gets to that point where you have to put in another offer, um, I don't know how 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 often this happens, but. When they do that, because you said you can't say what the offer was, um, do they normally jump in chunks of like five, ten thousand, fifteen, or or maybe you don't have enough, haven't done it enough to really know? But because if you don't know what the other offer is and you really want that house, yeah, I mean you could end up paying a lot more than the next highest offer. But I guess that's all kind of part of the way it works. Yeah. So so the guy you knew was in a big city or a bigger city than Grand mm-hmm. Forks, and like agents I know in Minneapolis it's you might end up with like 20 offers okay you know our city is not big enough to like i've never had a property that's had 20 offers mm-hmm. but, um probably the most common is is having uh out in a multiple offer situation is having like two or three okay so that's that's a little more realistic one of them might be kind of crappy they just might be throwing it out there to see if they get it anyway mm-hmm. and then you might have you know other people that come in like right at or just a little bit above your asking price um that's a pretty common thing for that to happen i would imagine uh wouldn't, wouldn't that be kind of like a realtor's dream yes. to, to have that happen yeah i mean wouldn't it, it wouldn't it be nice if every house you were showing you had multiple offers yeah if i'm the listing agent that's exactly what i want because that's what's going to get my seller the most money mm-hmm. and and it gives us the most negotiating leverage too so uh, you know we we have the high ground on everything um, and that's what I want my seller to have for sure. So yes, it is. It's a realtor's dream, so, a listing realtor's dream. Right. So right. Just uh, really quickly, as a buyer, because I, I I experienced this. Uh, I mean, so a realtor. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't want them to lie to you. But it seemed like every single house that I looked at was there are multiple offers on this, so you got to get it right now. Okay. Yeah, and it. And you had a buyer's agent at the time, right? Yeah. That, so the agents, the listing agents on those houses were were telling your buyer's agent, were you looking at houses that were brand new, just hitting the market? Yeah. And, and it, so I, I, and being in sales, I was just thinking like, this is just a sales tactic to try to get you to close the house so they can get their commission. Yeah. No, they, if there's not multiple offers, they can't say that there is. Oh, um, okay. I mean, like sometimes you'll hear an agent say like, yeah, we've got another party that's like, um, saying that they're going to make an offer. But then if I represented you, I would say, okay, well, let me know when that offer comes in and you get it in writing. Mm -hmm. Because we're not going to make an offer uh, under the assumption that there's there's another offer. If that other offer never comes in, I just cost you probably like, you know, 10 grand or something, five, five, 10 grand. So we want to make sure that we don't act like there's multiple offers. Now this is from so I don't want to confuse people. This is now if I was your buyer's agent, but the rest of what we're talking about is if I was your listing agent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if I was your buyer's agent, I would not um, act as though there are multiple offers until that other offer is actually there in writing. And you know it it would be a good idea in your case to maybe um, you know there's another party that's maybe interested. Let's let's say you take that at face value. 
it, you, let's say you make an offer, it wouldn't be a bad idea to say, um, we want a response within 12 hours. You know, if you're going to make them a decent offer, you, you know, not like your best and final offer like you would if there was multiple offers, but you're going to make them a decent offer because you do want the house. Um, say, hey, we want a response within 12 hours. That way they're not going to use your offer to try to attract other offers because you remember how I told you that might get someone to get off the fence and make an offer just that a different offer came in. We don't want them to use our offer to try to draw other offers in. So we want to give them a time frame. We don't want them to string you along for two days or three days or four days trying to get other offers. Okay. So okay, I would imagine that most of the the people watching the the podcast today would think ah, this only happens on the real high end houses, the high dollar houses. But everybody out there is looking for something different. So I'm yeah. sure this could happen whether it's a hundred and thirty thousand dollar house or a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Uh, there's probably many times going to be more than one party interested. Yep, that's a really good point that you bring that up and and. You're right. People maybe do think that, but it's actually kind of the opposite. Um, in the luxury market, which is maybe like 400 and up, mm-hmm. um, there are actually a lot fewer buyers. Um, you know, right in comparison to the number of listings. So it's actually a little less likely that a luxury home is going to go with multiple offers, and it's a lot more likely that a uh, an average price point home is going to go with multiple offers. Okay, that, I, I was kind of thinking that that too, but I yeah. thought, nah, that can't be right. They, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. So. We're, we're telling all the people who just showed it that there's multiple offers, right? Um, now, it's quite possible that there's other showings that are, that are scheduled that mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet at the time that we get these offers in. So if they're scheduled way out, we're going to tell them, hey, we got offers. Would you like to move your appointment up? Um, because we don't want to, you know, if we get multiple offers on a Monday and these people have a sh- showing scheduled for Thursday. Yep. We'd like them to be able to see it before we make a decision. Give everybody their chance. Give them their chance, and it would be in the seller's best interest as well because we want, uh, you know, the opportunity to get another offer. Mm-hmm. If that's there, might get a little more. Exactly. So, but we also don't want to string this thing along until Thursday and then risk losing the first two. So, ask them if they would like to move their showing up. Anybody that's showing scheduled, give them the chance to move their showing up and let them know that there are multiple offers. Agents will hate you if you. Uh, if I have a showing set up on your listing and um, it's set up for Thursday, you never tell me that any offers come in and all of a sudden you just tell me, hey, your showing on Thursday's canceled, it's sold. You know, that's not a way to make friends. No, no, and I would imagine. it doesn't do your seller any justice either. Right. So so there is some etiquette. Certainly. Uh, amongst realtors, yep. uh, just like there would be on the golf course or, yep. or anywhere else. And and that makes sense. Some unwritten rules, if yep. you would. And, and the... The professional mm-hmm. agents, the ones who are doing the majority of the business, mm-hmm. they know all this stuff, and I know that they're going to treat me right. They know that I'm going to treat them right. It's a, you know, it's a, we're going to do many deals to come in the in the future. It's not a one and done situation where oh I burned them and then yeah oh this is so fun you know this is so great <laughs> I burned them and you know I'm going to sail off into the sunset. It doesn't work like that. You know, mm-hmm. there's top agent some of the top agents I'll do multiple deals with them every year. Okay, so um, so. We've uh, so we've given people a chance to move up their uh, their appointments. We've got multiple offers. Everybody involved knows that we've got multiple offers. We need to set up a time of when we're going to make a decision and let the let the agents and buyers know that we've made a decision. So we set that. Uh, you know, we might tell everybody, "Hey, we're going to have a decision by you know by five o'clock on on Wednesday, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, so of course, like I said, when you say you're going to tell them at five o'clock on Wednesday, you got to actually do it. Um, and 
that gives your seller a little bit of time to think about things. You know, maybe we chose that time because that's when other showings move their times up to. So all those people know that we're deciding by five o'clock on Friday, all the agents who have buyers uh, who have offers in know that we're going to decide by then they have until then to improve their offers if they want to decide to raise their offers. So you don't want to set that time out too far where it seems like you're stringing everybody along and you're playing games, but you don't want to do it too short either because if you did it too short, you can see how you might miss out on the chance for more offers or for people to raise their offer. Sure. So you have to, you have to do that right too. Um, and then once you do decide on which person you're going to go with, you know, it's going to be a combination of terms, price, you know, when their closing date is, um, you know, they're, if they're asking for closing cost assistance, what type of financing they're using, um, if they're having a home inspection done, this is your chance to maybe tweak some terms last minute and say, hey, we're going to go with you. Um, we want to work with you because of this, but uh, we like this other offer. You know, we don't have to be specific, but say, hey, if you drop your clo- uh, if you drop your closing cost assistance that you're asking for, we're going to go with you. Okay. Does that work? Or if you drop your inspection contingency, we're going to go with you. So it's one last chance to just iron out some details of the offer, and then you go ahead and you move forward with them. Okay. Now, the people we were talking about earlier, uh, I called it kind of a bidding war. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I should have changed that terminology after talking to you. But um, here's the one thing. Uh, They got a lot more than they originally were asking for their house. But it came with a stipulation. Uh, You need to be out by Thanksgiving. Now, if this happens, uh, is that a normal? Is that that the norm? If, If it goes above and beyond what your asking price was, do the new buyers, do they have more power to say, okay, we're going to take this, but you need to be out in three weeks? If they, if they were to outbid um, you know, the asking price by an enormous amount, and if they're going to do that, they probably have to do something about their appraisal contingency too because it, the house has to appraise mm-hmm. at or above the sale price if there's an appraisal contingency. So if the if it was, I'm guessing your deal that you're talking about was cash in order to close yep, that fast. That was going to be my next cash. question, yeah. Um, so if it's cash and therefore they wouldn't need an appraisal contingency, yes, they're, they're such a strong offer that they could maybe dictate those terms. But if your friend was like, hey, that's, that's not as important to me. I'd rather take this offer that's five grand less and then be able to have Thanksgiving in my house and take my time getting out. That's where, you know, you and I are going to sit down. We're going to talk about what's important and... You know, some people, especially if they they have an emotional attachment to the house, they might they might decide to go with the offer that's two thousand dollars less, but the buyers wrote them a really special note. Okay, um, you know about their family and about their dog and their kids and, and what Thanksgiving means. One last one at this house, exactly. that kind of stuff. So, is is it? I wouldn't imagine it's very common where somebody says, "I've got the cash right now. Let's do it." Uh, it takes the um, on average. You know, it's going to take probably over a week to get the title work done. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you got the cash, it still has the title work. Everything has to get done in order to, you know, transfer ownership, right? Mm -hmm. Um, No inspection is, in that case, they're not going to be doing an inspection. They're not going to be doing an appraisal. There's no underwriting for financing. They've got the cash in the checking account ready to go. Um, They they would obviously need to show the seller proof of funds instead of a pre-approval letter. Um, but yeah, you just got to have enough time to do, you know, sometimes if you have a good relationship with your title rep, you can get title work done even faster than that, but it's never going to be like a same day situation. Have you ever had where you've said, okay, we're going to need to see proof of cash and they pull out a big duffel bag. <laughs> never, never. 
<laughs> haven't seen somebody do that. Oh, I bet I, you your eyes would open up yeah, wide then. <laughs> I think, I, the, you know, I've seen people screenshot their bank account and send it that way. Even mm-hmm. like when you ask for proof of funds, what you really need is like a, a written letter signed by somebody at the bank. Sure. Stating that the person has the approved yeah. funds. I'm thinking if uh, John saw somebody with a duffel bag of like hundreds of thousand dollars, he would just be like, go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That would be against the realtor code of ethics. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, that, I, I don't know if anybody at my office has run into that where somebody, when they say cash, actually means physical cash. Yeah. <laughs> Start counting on yeah. Franklin's out, you to know? To be honest, like, a cash, I'd say one out of every like, one out of every like 20 deals is a cash deal. It's not that often that people are buying houses with cash, especially because like what Channel was talking about on Wednesday, how low the interest rates are right now. Like interest rates are, you know, practically as low as inflation. So it's not that bad of an idea to lock in those interest rates for a, you know. Yeah. I mean, and then that way you have credit too. I mean, I I know people that have paid cash for stuff their entire lives and had a hard time getting a a cell phone because they didn't have any credit. My, my grandma ran into the same thing. They were farmers and everything was under my grandpa's name and she couldn't get a cell phone at Verizon because she never had you know, a loan tied to her name, but they were, you know, they were the type of thing, people that would save up for stuff. They didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking about this on Wednesday too, how some of this credit score stuff almost seems a little backwards. So you really have to know the ins and outs of it. Like it's not always the common sense thing that's going to make your credit score go up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, like we were talking about with like Paul and I were talking about, you might think, Oh, it's best to close your, your credit card accounts and, cut up those credit cards to make your credit score go up. That's actually not true. You want to have that length of account open. Yep, yep. Um, you know, it's fine if you don't use it, but you don't want to close the account. Right, um, right. Or like Shannon was saying that um, you'd think that if you've got judgments and like bad debt out against you, it's best to pay that off as fast as you can. Well, um, sh- she had mentioned how like reopening some of those things um, is almost worse for your credit because then it brings it back up to the surface. Uh, whereas if it had been 20 years since that thing had happened, you might have repaired your credit to where it needed to be. But now if you bring it back to the surface, and I, she's the one to talk to about that side of things because I don't want to accidentally say the wrong thing, but it, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, credit is, it's a, you know, it's it, a little it, backwards. It, yeah. Every time you're in here, John, uh, I do learn something different. Yeah. And I, you know, when you said we were going to talk about handling multiple offers and things like that, I would think that would be a realtor's dream. So yes. uh, in a nutshell, uh, if you're if you're showing a house for somebody and you find out they have multiple offers, I would imagine the people selling are just all giddy, like, ooh. Yeah. But in a nutshell, what do you tell them to look out for? What do I tell the, the seller to look out for yep. if I yep. represent them? Um, I'm going to look out for the contingencies. So, you know, it, the strongest offer isn't always necessarily the highest offer. If their offer is subject to a home sale contingency, that's not a very sure deal because, you know, maybe they're not reasonable on the price on selling their home. Maybe their house is really wacky and hard to sell. So you look out for home sale contingencies. Um, then you start to look at types of financing. Um, you start to look at other contingencies like appraisal and inspection contingencies. If somebody were to waive those things, that's really attractive. Um, so, yeah, you have to look at it as a from a big picture, not just the not just the dollars and cents of the offer. You have to look into the paperwork a little further and you know see mm-hmm. the whole scope of it. That's really what it's about. Uh, I can see why now you are considered a realty expert. 
Uh, always learn something new when you're in here, John. Yeah. And uh, again, congrats on, yeah. on the big tournament. Yeah. Got any other ones coming up? Nothing scheduled. Nothing scheduled yet. Is the uh, the Rona, is that messing up all this stuff for you too, I suppose? Yeah, it kind of is. Um, there, was, there was a, I think there was a tournament in, like right outside of Chicago and Indiana like last weekend. That's the only one in the region that I've known of wow. besides this one that I did. So, mm. yeah. Well, uh, I guess there's a big one in at like a, Nash, uh, a Pan Ams. A teammate of mine is doing that. Good luck to Dan. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's doing Pan Ams, and it's in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Uh, this weekend. Oh, wow. But, uh, you ever think about going to that next level like that? I, I actually would, was planning to do it, but I didn't get my registration in, oh. in in time. I missed it by like a couple of days, even though the it filled up, even though the registration deadline was like for another two weeks. I didn't get it in, in time, but... Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's a that's a tough tournament right there. So yeah, yeah. come back all ugly and stuff. That wouldn't be good, would it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. John Brodine, he is your realty realty expert from Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, all part of the Berkshire Hathaway biweekly podcast. Love having John into the studio. John, uh, one quick time here, uh, your phone number and how to reach you. 701-213-5428. You can text me or call me. I'm always, always happy to talk to home buyers and sellers. All right. Thank you, John. And uh, if we don't see you next week, have yourself a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. You too. Uh, there you go. Biweekly podcast with Berkshire Hathaway. And we'll be back with more from Berkshire Hathaway, and we'll see what realty expert they bring in next Wednesday right here on GFBS.